our scripture passage today, we're going to go back and look at the book of Genesis. And uh, I'm really excited this summer. We're starting a, a new series. I'm calling it Forged in Faith. And this is, we're looking at some Old Testament stories. And this is the stories of God making his people Israel. And these are the stories, and this is the history of how God forged a people for himself. Now, we should be very attentive to this history because this is our history. Even though we look at this history sometimes as the history of Israel or maybe even Jewish history, this is actually your history because this is your heritage. And I know maybe genetically, if you've ever done the 21 and Me and you've kind of done your DNA, you found out maybe that you're Celtic or you're Anglo-Saxon or you're Nordic or, or Swedish or something like that. But that's our genetic heritage. If you were to trace back your spiritual heritage, you would find that you're not related to the Anglo-Saxons or the pagans of Europe or wherever your family came from. Spiritually, you are related to Israel. Because that is where we truly come from in spirit, and that is where we come from in faith. So the stories that we're going to be talking about this summer are your stories. They're your history, and they're a sacred history. They're the story of how God began to forge a people, and it's the story of how he is still making us today. So before we read this, though, let us pause for a moment in a word of prayer. Good and merciful Father. Lord, we thank you that you have given us this history, the story of how you made people, and the story of how you are still making us today. Father, bless us as we begin to open up the scripture and read and find your will for us, Lord, what you have done and what you are continuing to do in our life. Father, send your Holy Spirit to us upon our minds and upon our hearts that as we read this story today and as we listen for your will that we could hear your voice speak to us and you would help us understand Lord, bless this holy reading of your holy word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the story we began today, as I mentioned, is the story of God's people. And because it's the story of God's people, it is also our story. And the story, as we find, it starts out and it begins with just one man. Just one person. The story begins with one person, but there's something extraordinary that's added to this one person. Because it's not just one person. More than that, it is a promise. That's how God's people started. With one person and a promise. And so we find today that's how God starts building people. He does it with a promise. 
That's how he gets it all rolling. That's how he got all this started and all this rolling with a single promise. And, and when he gave Abraham that promise, he also gave him a vision. Or you could call it a dream. Abraham heard this promise and his heart and his mind and his soul was filled with a dream. It was this wonderful dream. It was an incredible dream. And in this dream, this powered him. And it not only carried him, but it carried generations of people. And it carried them through hardship. It carried them through distress, through travail, through tribulations, through persecutions, through some of the worst, hardest times that human beings have been through. This dream carried them through. And one day... One day it reshaped human history. And it changed life on planet Earth as we know it. It all started with a promise. One man and a promise and a big dream that was put in his heart. Now this Bible, the story starts out talking about him as Abram, but we know him later as Abraham because God changed his name to Abraham. Now we don't know much about Abraham before God called him. And he had actually lived most of his life up to that point. I think when God called him, he was about 80 or 90 years old. And we know very, very little about his life before that. Uh, what we do know is he lived in a place called Ur. And it says it was Ur of the Chaldeans, where he came from. And uh, the Chaldeans were a group of people that one day became the Babylonians. Now what you need to note about these people is that they were pagan. They worshipped many gods. They worshipped idols. They worshipped false gods. Now, whether or not Abraham worshipped them or not, we don't know. Um, how much the one God was ever worshipped in this time, we don't know. Because the Bible doesn't tell us that. It doesn't tell us a whole lot. We know some people worship God and knew God, but we don't know how much Abraham knew him. Now, there is this interesting legend, though, I'm going to share with you. It's not in the Bible, but it's a, I find it a very interesting legend about Abraham. And according to this legend, uh, Abraham's father was an idol maker. He lived in Ur, and he used to shape idols out of clay. And he sold these pagan idols in the marketplace in Ur, and people would buy them, and they'd put them in their homes, and they'd pray to these idols, or they'd, or they'd sacrifice to these idols. And it said that Abraham's father did that for a living. Now, one day, according to the story, Abraham, in a, in a bout, I guess, of maybe childish mischief, decided to smash the idols. And he broke all these clay idols of his father. And his father wakes up the next day, says, who, who smashed these idols? Abraham, did you break all these idols I worked hard for? And Abraham said, Father, you won't believe it. The most amazing thing happened. I was sitting here watching, and the idols started to fight each other. And they started smashing each other until there were only two left. And at the very end, the idols smashed each other and fell to pieces. And his father said, Abraham, don't be ridiculous. They're idols. They can't fight. They're nothing but clay. And Abraham said, Father, why do we worship them if they're nothing but clay? If all they are is clay, how come these things are our gods? Now, like I said, I don't know if that story is true or it's just a story, that legend that rose up around Abraham later, but I kind of like the story because it shows Abraham kind of searching already. He's always wondering already in his heart about who is God. And who's the one that we should worship? So, true or not, Abraham lived a very long time before God called him. And when he finally did, he made him this promise that we read today. I am going to make you a great nation. 
And in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Think of that. That's a great promise there. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. I'm going to make you a great nation. And, and when Abraham heard this promise, it, it lit his, his, his mind with dreams, with these great dreams in his heart. And God later elaborated on this promise, and it made Abraham dream even bigger. He says, I'm going to make you so numerous, your descendants. He says, go to the stars. If you can count them, then you'll be able to count your descendants. So go to the beach, and if you can count the sand, you'll be able to count your descendants. That's, that's the nation I'm going to make of you. It's going to be so great. It's going to be so awesome. You're going to have more descendants than the stars in the sky, more descendants than the sand on the beach. And that dream was precious to Abraham. And that dream is what fueled him out through his whole life. And it saw him through many hardships and through wars and through difficult times. Is, is this dream that gave hope for his life. No matter what happened. It gave him hope and it gave him the faith to see it through to the end. And it makes sense because, you know, dreams... And what fuel life? That's where we get the fuel and the strength of our life from, is from dreams. And it's the vision that we have from life. Because without it, life, life gets dull. Without dreams. Without vision, we've got no direction in life. We're just, we're just aimless. We're just wandering. We're just, we're just floating around on whatever tide, on whatever wind is blowing in our direction. In Proverbs 29, 18, it says, without vision, the people perish. Not just have a hard time. Without visions and dreams and our life, it says the people actually perish. Because it's, it's, it's dreams and it's visions that give fuel and energy to our life. That's one of the reasons I think kids are so, so energetic. Because they've got big dreams. I mean, kids just don't dream. They've got big dreams. I mean, and talk to a kid. Ask him what he dreams of. Not only are they big, they're impossible. And we kind of just indulge them a little bit. Oh, that's kind of nice. But we know that when you grow up, you're not going to have these impossible dreams. My, my son Thomas, he, he just graduated this weekend. When he was four and five, he dreamed he was going to be Superman. And he wasn't kidding either. He was going to be Superman. And he believed it so much, he had a Superman cape for two years. He wore that cape everywhere, the grocery store, to school, to church, no matter where he went. He had that Superman cape on because one day he was going to be Superman. And People always ask, I wonder where these kids get this energy from. I think it's their dreams. I think they have big dreams for life, and it gives them big energy. It gives them big strength. But when we get older, we give those dreams up. Or we get more reasonable dreams. We get more rational dreams. We get dreams that a reasonable person can fulfill in the work of a single lifetime. And I really hope for you that you haven't given up your dreams. I hope that you still have some in your life, some visions, some things that you aspire to, some things that you dream about because... It's a dream that fuels the power of life. Now, I want to say something about dreams, though, to clear up any confusion. 
Because when I'm talking about dreams, I'm not talking about what the world usually talks about as dreams. See, if you, you, you talk to the world, to most people, when they say they're dreams, what they really mean is what they desire. It's what they want, what they want to get out of life. And they'll say things like, I like a big house. I like a nice car. I like to go on some great vacations. I like to be financially stable. I like to retire without worry and have a, have a happy and great retirement. And that's fine. Those are great aspirations. It's fine to want those things. But all right, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But that's a pitiful dream. I'm sorry. If that is your dream, to just have a house and a vacation and money, that is a pitiful dream. All right, God has got much bigger plans for your life. The promises that God puts on your life are so much bigger than that. You can't tell me that the limit, the limit of your aspiration and dreams is to have a big house and to go on a nice vacation and to be able to play golf every day in your retirement. Oh, you can do better than that. You have done better than that. When you were a kid, you did much better than that. No, the kind of dreams that I'm talking about are the dreams that come from the godly promises. The promises that God has given us, just like the promise that he gave to Abraham, those are the kind of dreams that I'm talking about. And that's how he started making his people. He made them a promise. He says, one day I'm going to do this for you. One day this is the kind of person that you're going to become. One day this is the nation that I'm going to make of you. This is the world that I'm going to make. And it's in that promise that we find that dream. It's in that godly promise that we find a godly dream and a godly vision. Now that original promise is... I'm going to make you a great nation, and in you all nations will be blessed. And that's a scripture that we, we talk about even at Christmas, because in Jesus Christ, that started to be fulfilled, and that all nations would be blessed through the work and through the generations of Abraham. And that's a, that's a promise that's still being fulfilled today. We're still seeing nations being blessed through the work and through the promise of the generations of Abraham. And God hasn't stopped that blessing he hasn't stopped that promise, but he's added more to it. He's added to us the promise of eternal life. He's added to us the promise of the return of Jesus Christ. He's added to that the promise of a new heaven and a new earth. He's added that to the promise of a new humanity, of forging a new people. These are not little dreams. Folks, these are big ones. And from these promises, that is where we forge the dreams and the visions for our life. You know, I think this is one of the reasons why the church has had such a decline in these last few years. And I say few years, but last 40 or 50 years here in America. There are a lot of theories floating around about why the church isn't doing so great these days. But I think one of the big reasons is that we don't have the dreams and visions that we used to have anymore. That we've given up some of our greatest dreams. We've given up some of our greatest visions. And in giving that up, we don't have the fuel and the fire to be God's people. We lack that fuel and that fire and strength to face the, a world that's hostile to us. We lack that conviction 
and that inner strength to go out and face a world that doesn't want to hear the message of Jesus Christ because we don't have the vision anymore. And throughout the history of the church, God's people have always had a dream. For Abraham, like we said, it was the dream of being the father of a great nation. But in the age of Moses, it was a dream of being freed from slavery and making it to the promised land. When they were in the promised land, they dreamed of being a powerful nation. When they were exiled into Babylon, they dreamed of going back to the promised land. When they were back in the promised land, they dreamed of a coming Messiah. And then the Messiah came, Christ came, and he continued to give us dreams. At first, the church dreamed of being able to overcome the Roman Empire. Talk about a crazy dream. That was crazy. A small sect of persecuted people being able to overcome the most powerful empire in the world. But they did it. God put a dream in their heart, and they did it. And after that, the church dreamed of spreading Christianity to all of Europe. And after that, they dreamed of creating a, 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 a group, a coalition of Christian nations that they called Christendom. And after that, they dreamed of freeing the Holy Land. Then they dreamed of uniting the church. Then they dreamed of reforming the church. And one day, a group of people dreamed of a land where they could celebrate and worship God in religious toleration and freedom. And we know them today as the pilgrims, one of the earliest people who came to America. And after that, the church dreamed, dreamed of something they called the Great Awakening. And in that dream, they were going to make a Christian nation out of America. In the 19th century, the dream was the millennial reign of Christ, that we would bring back our Lord to the work of our church. And most recently, say 30, 40, 50 years ago, our dream in the church was attached to the American dream that we were going to spread freedom throughout the whole world. We were going to bring about democracy. We were going to do it to the church and to the state. So what's our dream today? Does anybody know it? Does anybody know what the church's dream is today? I mean, what fuels us as a church? Not just as this church, but as a whole body of Christ. What do churches dream about? What's their aspiration? To get big? To be a mega church? To have a lot of people show up on Sunday? That's a pitiful dream. That is a pitiful dream to have. What's our dream as a nation? What's our dream as America today? To get rich? No, we got bigger dreams than that. God has bigger dreams for us than just getting rich. Friends, the promises of God are still there. The promises of God are still there, and there is still a vision that we can make from them. There's still a vision because there's still a promise, and on that promise, we can build our life. Like I said, there's the promise to bless all nations. That's a promise that's still with us. There's a promise of Christ's return. There's a promise that one day He's going to wipe every tear away from our eyes. There's a promise that he's going to beat all the swords and the plowshares and all the spears and the pruning hooks and war and violence is going to disappear from the face of the earth. There's the promise that God is going to reign in all places, that he's going to make all things new, that he's going to make us new. There's the promise that he's going to fill us with a glory that you and I cannot even imagine today. Those promises, there's so much opportunity for vision. There's so many opportunities 
for us to have dreams today. New dreams for the church. New dreams for the people of God. I mean, for one, we can have a dream of uniting the church again. How about that for a dream? All denominations, everyone who believes in Jesus, united once again as one church. I'm talking about the Catholics and the Protestants and the Baptists and the Lutherans and the Seventh-day Adventists and anyone who believes in Jesus now being united as one church. I know it seems impossible, doesn't it? It seems crazy. But dreams are supposed to be big. They're supposed to feel impossible when you first dream them. I think we can dream today of a holy church. A church where we hear the Spirit of God clearly. Where we can see His will. Where we're obedient. Where we're righteous. Where we cleanse the church of all unrighteousness. Of all evil that festers within it. I think we can dream of a better world still. Not the world, not the way we've tried to make it. I'm not talking about a better world through institutions, right? This is not a better world through social movements or through laws or through economic reform. And it's certainly not a better world through politics. Guys, we've got to give that one up. Our world is not going to get better through politics. And politicians are not going to make this a better place to live. If we're going to make a better world, it's going to be in God's way. And he doesn't make a better world by making better institutions. He does it by making better people. And that means raising people who learn what is good, people who learn compassion, and people who have the ability to choose what is right over what is wrong. Making a better people means raising people who are raised up to be brave, to be free, who know what it's like, the cost of liberty, and what it takes to live in liberty. It means raising people of integrity, people of justice, people of hope, people with big hearts, people that are willing to be servants and to sacrifice for each other and for their nation. This is what it will take to be pillars of a godly nation. I think we can dream of an improved quality of life for all people on earth. And I'm not talking about material quality. I'm talking about spiritual quality of life for everybody here on planet earth. I believe we can still dream of a nation that's guided by the church. Guided by a good church. Not guided by humanism. Not guided by greed or nationalism or imperialism. And certainly not guided by the progressive ideologies that are popular today but guided by a united and godly and righteous church. I believe this dream can start right here. It can start right here in this church with this people. Sounds impossible? Sounds big? Sounds far off? I mean, that's a big dream and we're a small church. Dreams are supposed to be big. They're supposed to feel impossible when you first dream them. But I want to ask you this question. I want you to ask yourself this question. If we believe in the promises of God, if we really believe in just the exorbitant, crazy promises God has made us, how can we not dream big? How can we? I mean, if we really believe like we say we believe, if we really believe the things we say we believe, I think to dream big is inevitable. 
thing to have a great, large, expansive vision is the natural result of believing, truly believing, in the promises of God. And I think it's okay if our dream is an impossible one. After all, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And I believe the best dreams are too big to be accomplished in one lifetime. Because if they're that way, we always have something to live for. We always have something to work for. And we always have something to aspire to. You know, Abraham never saw his dream fulfilled. Never, never saw it. It was hundreds of years after he died that his dream just began to be fulfilled. Now, when Abraham died, it was still a crazy dream. And you've got to admit, it was a crazy dream, okay? This is a 90-year-old man with a 90-year-old wife with no kids, and he said he was going to be the father of a great nation. Imagine if you saw that happening today. A 90-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman with no kids came to you and said, we're going, to be, we're going to be the parents of a great nation. Oh, that's nice, yes. Just sit down and eat your pudding, please. <laughs> we'd take it seriously. That was a crazy dream. But that was the promise of God. That was the promise of God. And the power that Abraham had was that he believed in that promise. He believed in that promise and it set his heart on fire with impossible dreams that's how it started an old man a promise and a crazy dream and many years later when the israelites numbered in the thousands they would come and recite their history and they began it like this my father was a wandering era man they were remembering and paying honor to the fact that they began with just one man Billions of believers on planet earth today can all trace their heritage to this one man given one promise. But he believed. And through that faith that brought the dream to life today. So my brothers and sisters, that's how God makes people. Or rather, that's how he starts to make people. It starts with a promise and it ends at, only he knows where this ends. Our job is not to know where this dream ends. Your job is to believe. Your job is to believe in him. Your job is to trust in his promise. Your job is to always, always dream big. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.